Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour, with Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartnell. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday. I'm Dave DeFore, and that means it's Nerder. She wrote, joining me as they do each and every week, Moda Kill and Seth Partnow. What's up, fellas? I'm chilling, Dave. It's a, it's a nice sunny day here in LA. Just before the rains are going to start coming down again. Don't get me Seth, started. You don't know anything. This. You don't know. You don't know anything about this. Sunny. You know, I did not move to Southern <laughs> California for this cold wet winter that i got it you was, brought it i think i did it, it was uh, as much rain as they've had in my lifetime the first winter i spent in california D- dave i'm gonna actually clue you we're actually having a meeting and deciding to send you back like there's just so you know there's a there's there's a vote going on so don't get too comfortable <laughs> i'll be the first person to move from texas to california and then get kicked out um yeah but i i apologize but the the drought is over you guys are welcome Seth, how, how's it up there? I'm assuming still freezing in Milwaukee. No, it's above freezing, but it's gray. So, yeah. Well, yeah. it's sunny here today, which is nice. Uh, it's a nice sunny day in California. But unfortunately, the injuries in the NBA have cast a pall across the league. Kevin Durant got hurt in warmups yesterday. We're recording this Thursday, the 9th of March. And it feels like we just can't have nice things anymore, guys. We barely got to see Kevin Durant as a Phoenix Sun, and uh, he gets hurt in warmups. So, what do you guys? Uh, I guess there's other injury news as well. Let's, let's just lay it all out there. News this morning: Stephen Adams received a stem cell injection in that knee. He's out for at least the remainder of the regular season. And we're awaiting word on the MRI from Luka Doncic and his injured thigh that's been bothering him for a couple weeks. He's been hampered. We've all talked about him looking a little slower, a little bit worse for the wear here lately. A little bit better. And he had to leave the game uh, in the middle of the third last night with that thigh issue. So once again, guys, we're coming down to the wire. Playoffs about a month away. And injuries and injury luck seems like it's you know, playing its cards as it usually does. Same as it ever was. Um, And this is sort of the fact that it seems like more teams are being sidetracked by this is this is a function of, you know, the start of the year. How many teams can you say if things break right, dot, dot, dot. You know, there's 12 of them this year. Usually there's five or six, maybe. There being 12 of them, well, things are not breaking right for some. And the absence of things not breaking right is things breaking right for Denver. And, you know, the, the, we have this argument all the time. Anytime someone tries to like asterisk the title, like every champion ever has gotten lucky. And in this case, the luck is not being one of the teams that had your best player role as ankle in pregame warmups. Yeah. I mean, first off, freaking injury in that sense, just right there with, with KD getting hurt. But this is the season. This is part of it, you know. Um, this is also part of the reason why I think we should have a shorter season. Whole other conversation for another time. But I think this is a, a a product of it, and this is every year, and that's that's part of it. That's why everybody's when people go like, "Oh, they won this championship by luck." Every championship was won by luck. 
There's a degree of luck in all of this, whether avoiding an injury or, 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 or small, simple things are part of that. And I think that's the situation we're at. That's kind of why I'm so impressed by LeBron's eight finals runs, the Warriors five finals in a row. There's a reason why that doesn't happen very often. Because of things like this, a wet spot, a, a, a unfortunate landing on somebody's ankle and things like that. Like, I think there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, into winning the finals. And this is just unfortunately what we're going into at the end of this season. And even the Warriors, though, had bad injury luck along the way. I mean, you, you mentioned a wet spot. I mean, Steph Curry, obviously, the, you know, uh, Monte Yunus sweat puddle where he injures his knee, and I think they're going to win the title that year if it, if it wasn't for that. Well, they would have won it if Draymond was able to keep his hands and to himself, but a whole that, other there's issue that there. There's that too, but. right. Well, well, you know, different kind of injury. And then, of course, the Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson injuries in the finals. But, um, you know, look, we, we kind of have been, you know, on this all year long. This year is wide open. A lot of teams felt that way. I think that's why the trade deadline looked the way it did, and, and you could see, you know, teams take – even the Lakers, like they had such a great trade deadline. And had LeBron not gotten hurt, you look at the standings and you look at the teams ahead of them right now, I I, I wouldn't say that they couldn't make them their way out of the play-in if he had been there. I mean, it's that tight. Um, so this you know, is obviously going to change everything. That was definitely in play for the Lakers. And to be honest, still in play. It's I mean, they're only two games away from the Clippers who are at six at the time of this. And the thing about the standings, especially in the West right now, every night it's just musical chairs. It's a whole different flow of who's in and who isn't, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's flying around in a way that's, that's pretty wild. So if AD is going to continue to play the way he's playing, and that's a dude, that's also somebody we should watch for potential injuries down the road, knock on wood, they can fly out of the, they can fly out right into the sixth spot right now. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the, the Pelicans dealing with, uh, you know, missing Zion still. He's going to be reevaluated again in a couple of weeks, which I know we a couple of weeks ago said we probably don't expect to see him again. But N- now we Seth asked the question and you and I both didn't want to answer. Seth was already in the uh, hey, he's not playing the rest of the season mode. And he's, uh, you know, he's already sharp and, 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 and on it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, you look and they're currently in one of those play-in spots, but Oklahoma City doesn't necessarily want to make the play-in, so we've got that whole game to keep an eye on. But we were originally going to do our our lead segment on all of the budding and building and and sort of, uh, I mean, really good and heated rivalries. And all of a sudden, when you look, I mean, these four teams are kind of intertwined, Memphis and Phoenix, Dallas, Golden State. There's so much back and forth. There's so many storylines, you know, cross-matched between the three. And as we sit here today, only Golden State is healthy. Finally. It it always works out for those Warriors, damn it. (laughs) Just kind of like, and Steph's been injured. There's a whole lot of questions. Wiggins has been out for a long time. Doesn't know. We don't know when he's coming back. Um, It's, it's, you know, they're they're dealing with their own stuff. But this sucks because it does ruin... The chance if we really looked like we were going to have some serious budding rivalries just in the first round, you know, the the way the standings looked yesterday. Um, and again, it changes constantly, but it, it looked like we were going to get Memphis and Golden State in the first round and Phoenix Dallas in the first round. That's what we were all kind of hoping for and and wanted. And I think that was the uh, uh, 
the news yesterday, but of course, you know, the fates had different plans and, and now we're, uh, we're, we're not going to have so much rivalries. Yeah. I mean, look with, we've got about what, 20 games left, some, something around there. Um, maybe slightly less than 20 games left. If we could wind up with Memphis golden state and then Phoenix Dallas in the first round, man, it would make my life easy. You know, rematches. This is like the old Bulls having to go through the Pistons. I, I love this stuff. And I have a fun idea for the Warriors. Free idea here. I don't think they would do it. Um, if you haven't already seen the oh, clip man. floating around on from uh, Volume Sports of Draymond Green, basically going at Dylan Brooks line for line, everything that quote that Brooks said, that should be their pregame intro. Like, you know, the video that teams do before the game. <laughs> It should just be that every time they play Memphis, as long as Dylan Brooks is there um, and and create that that kind of animosity. But we're getting there with rivalries. I think, you know, people want it. I think we're going to close to injuries. They're going to suck a little bit, but I think we're going to get some stuff coming from that, even in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. It just, you know, again, the, the KD thing coming off the knee issue that, that he missed a bunch of time with. I mean, this guy was playing at an MVP level and KD is able to come back from these injuries and somehow look like he never missed any time. I, I'm I'm not sure that there's any player that can come back and look a hundred percent the way that KD does. So, I mean, luckily he has that going for him. If he, if he has to miss a week or two weeks, hopefully it's not a lot of downtime and his game is plug and play in, in Phoenix. I mean, we've seen what they're already able to do with him offensively. Devin Booker in a game without Kevin Durant puts up 44 and we talked about him having all these easy 50s just sitting there waiting for him with Kevin Durant. But when you got a guy like Booker who can score, he can take on that scoring load so you can ease KD back in the lineup when he comes back. I just wonder, you know, is there enough time for Phoenix in particular to build the sort of chemistry that you need to win a title? You know, like I'm trying to think of there's definitely nothing in recent memory where someone you know, number one, a swing piece like KD doesn't get traded every trade deadline. But when has a team ever made a trade for a KD-like guy, let's say a top 15 guy, and just been able to implement them, build chemistry, and, and then go on to have playoff success? I, it would be the first time, right? 95 Rockets is the probably the closest. Like, it, depending on what you think of, of, of Drexler at that point in his career. Yeah. Um, but again, I, it's like the, the sample size of, of, you know, MVP level players don't get traded in season. So it's sort of like it's it, it's it's a it's a parallel to the discussion of, you know, OK, the, the Suns can't win because no team has ever done this. Well, the Nuggets can't win because no team with a center defensively is questionable as Jokic. OK, but none of those guys have been Nikola Jokic. So it's like we're, we're off the map regardless here. And I'm not sure how much that sort of past precedent really has to say about you know the situation we find ourselves in. i would actually equate this more to the Pau Gasol trade who recently got his jersey retired in la i think that's the kind of deal now he's not obviously katie's a, a different level of player than pow but that was the 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 piece that pushed the lakers going getting into the finals that year and they were a middling team at that point i've, I've always kind of thought this trade had more pow feelings to me than, than, than anything else with that. I'll say this though about KD and this is kind of the, the thing here. I'm, I, I'm all about chemistry, continuity, all of that matters. KD is the most 
pliable, easiest dude to plug in. And that's really a credit to him, too. Like, just look at it this way. In the first game, it looked like they already had something, right? And it was Charlotte. I get all that. But even the first couple, like, we felt confident with everything that they had, the flowing that they had going, and and everything about that. That's an, a, a credit to KD being able to just slide right in and get into the, the, the spots for the team and everything that goes with it. So for me, it's it sucks. And I think it's is a setback for the Suns, depending on how long KD is going to be out. But I don't know how much of a setback. Other teams, it's a massive problem. The Mavs trying to figure out Luka and Kyrie together, Luka being out, really hurts the team. Because that's going to take longer to figure out in that instance. And I think that's kind of the, the difference in those scenarios. What's like the chef's knife version of a Swiss Army knife? Like a Swiss Army knife is a, is like a little, you know pocket, pretty cheap. It can do all these different things. Though. But it's not good like, at any one thing. Yeah, but but Durant is like, is that what? Like, <laughs> yeah, if you know, the if, like best a, the ever Swiss Army one. knife. Yeah, like, this is the this right. is the yeah. elite, like, elite, elite. Like any yeah, like any skill set you can think of aside from if you actually need someone to do like point guard things. Like I think that's the only like offensive initiate like. KD can be an offensive initiator if he is your offense. He's not necessarily the guy who's going to like dime people up all the time and stuff like that. So yeah. other than that, like anything you need him to do, he can do. And and so that's why it becomes like the chemistry becomes less of a thing. It's it's sort of like you know as long as everyone else is filling the things they need to do, which that because they're more limited, they're already doing the things they can do. Like Mo said, that just makes it a little easier. It's it's easier with KD than it would be. Like the bigger worry there is more his condition than right, right. the than the integration. Although again, he has in his career has tended to come back and and be about a hundred percent when he's on the court. I mean, he apparently keeps himself in pretty good shape. I mean, definitely stays light, which is important for a guy his size. But you know, one of the things I think with KD that kind of gets lost in the shuffle because of like. The physical stuff with him stands out, you know, being seven feet tall, being able to handle like that. But he's a high IQ guy, you know, he and and his passing comes from that IQ instead of being more like a point guard where he's, you know, pounding the leather off the ball or running pick and roll. A lot of his passes are just, you know, make a quick decision with it or his his arms are incredibly long. And you see him throw some of these passes that I just don't think most guards can do right yeah it's almost like i'm not going to compare it to Jokic because the style is different but it's similar you know you've got this you know the seven foot sort of uh field of reference there and then the, the long arms he's able to throw these passes over the top and i think throwing weak side corner passes i mean he's right up there with Jokic. he's really really talented so yeah i'm not worried about it i'm not worried about him physically as long as he's going to be on the court it's just how you know what's the ankle going to keep him out? How long is right. the ankle going to keep him out? Because if he misses, if he has to miss the rest of the regular season, uh, that cuts their chances in the playoffs just because they don't have the reps. It, no matter how good he is, and maybe he's just the ultimate rising tide on that team because the, the talent level is already so high. But I, I worry about chemistry. You know, we talk about this with the Clippers a lot, but those guys, they play a more individual style of basketball. So maybe the chemistry is even more important for them. But I do think with some of the complicated pick and roll schemes that they're going to want to get into in the playoffs, they need KD out there for the reps. 
The other, the the other mild worry is if the, even if he's able to get back on the court and there is some lingering effect, is they need like the offense is one thing. They need like in the past, Durant has been an all world defender in the playoffs. He's been like you know, elite rim protector has guarded the balls and all that. This team is going to need that from him at some point. And if the ankle is still tender, if it, if it compromises his lateral movement, if it compromises his ability to recover and contest shots at the rim, that's going to be, I think that is going to be a huge detriment to them. And we should also mention, they can still fall in the in, in the standings. You know, they're only three games above Golden State in the, to have home court in that series and so on. You know, they... We, there was a chance for a while they could climb. We thought maybe as possibly as high as two because nobody but Jay King believes in the Kings. And I thought that was an important, you know, kind of thing there. And and now it kind of changes the complexion a little bit in the standings with just how long is he out and how that again changes that whole musical chairs of, of the standings. Yeah, I mean, and there are only a couple of games outside of the two seed. And they're still a decent basketball team without Kevin Durant. So they could move up while he's out, you know. Um, all right, so that's kind of the West picture, and the injuries are sort of coloring everything right now. In the East, all the teams are starting to get healthy. We all have agreed that the Eastern playoffs is going to be a bloodbath. We also all agree that the Eastern Conference should be favored to win the title. At least I think we do. Don't let me speak for you guys if I'm wrong here. With Milwaukee... And their recent huge winning streak, Chris Middleton getting healthy, Giannis looking amazing, Boston getting healthy again, although Robert Williams in and out of the lineup right now. The Knicks huge winning streak, Cleveland turning it on. They had a big win against Miami. And then we've talked about Philly and the run that they've been on since the start of the new year. I figured it was a good time to take a look at sort of the, the tiers in the East, the power rankings. Now, I, I think that, we Are all you, agree Seth Boston you for saying tears. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boston and Milwaukee are the top two teams in the East. I think we all agree there. And even when Boston has not looked great in, in the last few weeks, we can point to the reasons why I can say it's an injury thing, a personnel issue. Milwaukee has just, to me, looked like the best team in the league for the last month. I, I mean, I don't know how they don't make the finals. But the other three teams are interesting. Philly, Harden has looked amazing. Embiid is at an MVP level. Obviously, Cleveland, who we've been on since last year, and Evan Mobley's defense is just, it's hit another, uh, another stratosphere, right? And then the Knicks are playing really solid basketball. Their defense has been pretty good. Their offense is shaky, but it's been effective. So how are you guys feeling about the East? I don't believe in the Knicks. I think their offense is is very based on tough shot making. Mo's and, got a stat for that. And I we've we've kind of seen that turn into a pumpkin in the playoffs before. And and I I worry about them defensively, frankly. Like I, I if if Mitchell Robinson is is banged up or in foul trouble, I don't know how they stop. They ever end up stopping any of the like the, the powerhouse East teams. I uh I'm actually working on a piece that's gonna be coming out over the weekend on the Knicks. And I just think the in my research, 
I was surprised to see that they were 30th. Out of 30 teams, 30th in assists per game. And it's it's everything is so isolation. And what's fascinating, Seth, is they're actually running offense. They're actually running offense. And 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 to Tibbs' credit, like he's done a good job with, with some of the sets they've put in, really takes advantage of guys. But then everything just ends into an isolation and it's I'm gonna do it on my own now. And that's really one of the problems in especially in, in crunch time. And I think that ends up being a a scenario there that that I worry about. I think they can win a series if they play Cleveland. I think that's a toss-up. And I think that's a that's a close series right there. And really depending on who has home court, a lot of guys, a, a lot of inexperience really on both sides uh, with that. I know the Knicks made the playoffs two years ago, but still for some guys, didn't play as big a role. The, the, the one thing I will give the Knicks a ton of credit is they are playing their young guys, which is something we've been screaming about for two years now. And they're getting a lot of valuable minutes from them. I think they have a chance to really kind of come up on a team like Cleveland, but that's about it. I don't look at them as a contender at all in that sense. And it's a lot, it's because Seth said like their shot profile is, is really dependent on isolation and a lot of offensive rebounds. And the offensive rebounds, especially like that's a, that is, that is more of a bump hunting strategy than a playoff team. Cause you know, you, you're going to live on offensive rebounds versus the Bucks. No, yeah, I don't. I, or listen, the Sixers. I, I don't think they can beat any of the top three, right? And I think you know the the uh, their their chances. Let's get Cleveland in the first round. Try to get home court because they're right in the mix to try to steal home court from Cleveland, and try to get out of the first round. That's a massive success for them. And to be honest, I think the season's already a success because they gotten Tibbs on the program of playing the young guys, and the young the young guys are providing actual results for them. Also, I hope that teams take note of trading first-round picks for guys like Josh Hart is good, and you should do that if you're a, like uh, that. That that high-level connector is gonna is gonna do a lot of different things. Going to defend, do things on offense. Like this is the kind of trade that if you're a contending team and you have your first-round pick next year, you should never actually make that selection because you should have traded for that year's version of Josh Hart. See, now that's the thing that I think Cleveland's missing. They're missing that connective guy. Yeah, um, they don't have that first-round pick anymore. Well, yeah. right, yeah. I mean, yeah, they needed that to get Mitchell. But. but that's one of the things, like, I think for them this summer, that's who they have to try to find. Who's that fifth guy that's the connector? You know, uh, obviously for them, they need some positional size on the wing. They need a, a lot of stuff. But uh, the connector yeah. is a big deal for Cleveland, and especially come playoff time. Has a Coro shown he's, – he's – I don't want to say he's a tease, but he, he seems like he shows just enough that you think maybe, maybe he could go into that. And the, the shooting has been so much better, not just from a result standpoint, but black, like he's willingness. not hesitant. Yep. And, and, you know, we've, I know we've beat this, you know, to death essentially with PJ Tucker and how being a willing shooter matters more than making it. You have to make it at a certain point, but Okoro has been making it. And but the bigger thing is taking him. but it's still just it. That is a, he's a stationary piece in the offense. He's not a guy that, you know, is going to, he's not the best at attacking closeouts. He's not the best at, you know, back cutting and, and the things that you need out of a guy to actually create some space for you. The, the Okoro piece there, Seth, like, yes, you want to see him develop and continue there. It's tough to be like, we're going to be a contender with a maybe. 
maybe he can get there, yep. right? And that's the that's the concern with all that. But the guy that's most important, and he's been coming on really strong, is Evan Mobley. Yep. He's been he's been a lot more physical with the ball, the way he's attacking. Uh, there was a clip in the game against Miami where he literally just gave Bam a big, a nice little shoulder bump, and then went around Bam for an and one. Like that was those types of plays from Mobley are the things you need to see more of. Yes, his shooting needs to come along. That's not going to happen this season. It's just just don't count on it this season. You get a three from him, it's a it's a prayer and be happy about it. But what he's being much more physical when he has the ball down low. That's going to be an important piece for them kind of going forward and for this playoffs, this year's playoffs, that will matter and make the difference. And if he could bump guys like that, I saw him do something like that to Giannis. I saw him do something like that to Grant Williams, who's granted like half his size. But, you know, bullying guys like that, that's a big piece for the Cavs going forward in the playoffs. And I think that's something to just kind of keep an eye on because he's really come on strong after the All-Star break. Yeah, I think and offensively, you, though, I think he's done a pretty good job. Now, he's not shooting the three, but I think he's done a pretty good job of working the dunker spot and relocating. So giving up the ball, relocating, getting into the paint and, and getting some of these little push shots and floaters. I mean, when you look at his numbers, well, a lot of people are like, oh, well, where's the second year you know, progression? But when you look at his numbers, look, they added Donovan Mitchell. Darius Garland's usage didn't go down, right? Someone's usage is going down to add Donovan Mitchell. He's like a 30% usage guy. Well, Evan Mobley's usage has gone down a little bit, but his numbers have basically stayed the same. So his production level, you know, in aggregate is about the same as last year with fewer touches. And they're not like, it's not like they run the offense through him at any point in the game. He's getting the stuff on the margin. So I think, like you said, like his biggest, he can grow offensively, but what he's doing defensively is really the, the key to them. To have Mobley and Jared Allen as your back line is a luxury that does any other team? I mean, I, I guess Milwaukee has two guys like that. Boston has two guys like that. And One healthy. Cleveland. One and healthy, healthy Boston. Here's the difference is you, you're watching a game and, you know, maybe semi-transition or a switch happens or a scramble or something like that. And you end up with a wing guy like faced up on Mobley or Jared Allen. Like maybe, maybe Robert Williams when he's healthy, you're like, yeah, no, it's fine. But you look at you, you Brooke Lopez, even Giannis, like if he's if he's matched up against like a like a good two guard. You, you maybe need to 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 rotate some help that direction. You just like it's fine. They they got this, and you never you never. Um, I think that's just such a luxury from a defensive standpoint. Now, the unfortunate side of that is if those guys are switched out on the perimeter, then you've got Darius Garland and Donovan uh, right. Mitchell under the basket. Right. And but even them, like we, we and Mo and I watched the, the Cavs, the Cavs Heat game. Like the fact that those guys are battling, like Darius Garland's never going to be a great defensive player. But there's situations like he gets switched off and he's guarding Jimmy Butler under the basket. They try to dump the pass down. And instead of just like conceding and taking a foul or something like that, he battles to the point where he can get his hand in and tip the ball away. And now Jimmy Butler's got the ball at 12 feet instead of six feet. And you've got a chance defensively. And just doing that is so important. Well, for years, we hammered Donovan Mitchell for his lack of defense when he was playing in front of Rudy Gobert. And I got to say, he does compete more and more often playing in Cleveland. But then again, I mean, I, I it's a... I think it's just an easier environment for him to compete in. 
Let's yeah, just put I mean, it that I, way. I, I did a one-mo thing early in the season on Donovan Mitchell's defensive effort with everything that he had going on. But I, I do want to, and, and Dave, I'm going to hijack the pod now. Sorry. Oh, I'm taking over go. here for a second. This is, I'll kick back. This is what I, this is, this is what I really want to talk about in the East. Cause I, sorry, Philadelphia fans. We talk about you at nauseum and let's just be honest. You're the prove it to us in the playoff team. Okay. All of it. We, we, we think you're really good. You need to prove it to us in the playoffs. Harden needs to prove it. I got a question for you. Did the Celtics peak too soon? They started the regular season on fire and killed it, and destroyed everything. And my real question is, did the Celtics peak too soon throughout it, in, in that instance? Because now they're struggling. They're not defending as, as well. Yes, they have injury problems, and, and their big man rotation is kind of screwed up. Everybody's kind of coming in. Well, should Marcus Smart not play as much, and should it be Derek White playing instead of Marcus Smart? And all of those things. They got schooled by the Knicks twice in a week. And, you know, in one of those games, no Jalen Brunson. It's and, and, and to be fair, in one of those games, no Jalen Brown. But the question is, did the Celtics peak too soon? I mean, I think the health thing is so big for them, right? Robert Williams is not, I, I, even when he's been quote unquote healthy this season, he hasn't looked like Robert Williams, you know, world destroyer from last year. So I think that that's a big deal. There, There's, their offense still falls apart late in games, right? Like they're undisciplined when it comes to sticking to their plan. They will run their offense for three quarters and then abandon it in the fourth. I don't know how to, like, how do you get this team to not do that? They've been doing it for five years, years right? Now. Like yeah, years, that yeah. three different coaches and they they've done this with different personnel. When Brogdon's out there, it's a little bit more organized, but it's still, you know, they're not closing games with Brogdon. All that often. I mean, I, I, I think I, that they should close with Derek White to get that organization on offense. And his defense, it's not that much of a drop-off from, from Marcus Smart. But in particular, you can cover for that. Whereas on the offensive end, Marcus Smart, bit of a hesitant shooter, to be honest with you. A little reckless as a playmaker sometimes. And, and frankly, just not as good as Derek White. Derek White is an excellent pick-and-roll ball handler. And that can create opportunities that they just aren't going to get when they have these guys standing around trying to isolate. So I, I would say maybe they peaked too early because offensively they were just so hot. They were unbeatable. But we know what the defensive ceiling of this team is, and it's best defense in the league. So if Robert Williams could get back, I mean, I still think that they could get there. Um, but you might be right about this season. I think I think just zooming way out, the two, the two takeaways are everything you just said, Dave, like, kind of are who we thought they were in, in some ways. Like you, you mentioned Philly being a team that needs to prove in the playoffs. Like, frankly, I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, insofar as not having that sort of their offense being the other team's best offense, which cost them dearly in the playoffs, their bad offense turning into good offense for the other team. Um, But in terms of they had a little wobble, teams have a little wobble. The fact that their wobble coincided with the Bucks winning 16 straight is making it seem more extreme than, than it's like that, you know, the Bucks made up a lot. Well, yeah, you win 16 straight games. You're going to make up some ground. And just those things happening to coincide probably makes it feel starker than maybe it should. I, I wouldn't even say like the Bucks went on a 16 game win streak and only have a two game lead on Boston. Like that's actually kind of impressive on Boston's end of a, able to withstand that. You know, a team goes on a 16-game win streak, you feel like, okay, we might be out of this completely in that run for the first 
first round, uh, first seed, excuse me. I think the, my, my one, I want to push back a little bit on Derek White versus Marcus Smart, because I don't think that's the argument. I think it's actually Derek White versus Grant Williams. And should they play smaller more often? I know Smart's not really playing as well as he did last season, but they were only successful last season because of Marcus Smart right. to a degree in how he played. And that's an, the, Derek White can't do what Marcus Smart did last season. They need Marcus Smart to tap into what he did last season. Can he? No idea, right? Maybe that was a one-off type season and, 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 and just the circumstances that led to that. But I think that's going to be the, the situation for the, the, the Celtics, you know, and everybody who's, you know, tired of Marcus Smart with all that stuff. He's kind of the heart and soul of that team. He's kind of their Draymond to a degree in that, you know, he's the guy that kind of keeps pushing everybody and leads a little bit. And I think you can't put him to the bench and you can't do it in close games. I think you need him out there. And I'm not the biggest Marcus Smart guy. <laughs> it kills true. me when I have to defend him and stuff. But like, I think it's, I think it's a question of can Grant Williams be out there? Because yeah. you saw that in that game against the Knicks. Emmanuel quickly tore them up, and they just kept getting switches. And all of a sudden, Grant Williams ended up on quickly. And then quickly just said, ooh, lunchtime. And I think that was one of those things there. And I think that's going to be the the biggest question for them is, how much can they get from Grant? It's an interesting. We, we talked about Robert Williams not looking the same as last year. Part of the reason why they were able to do those Grant Williams lines so much last year is he was like very good in those spots okay, when he got switched out onto like smaller, quicker guys, and the fact that that hasn't been as good this year, like that's not as big. That's not as big a, a kind of a, a detriment as Robert Williams now Horford just not playing. But I think that you know losing that kind of size and shooting because you can't get the, the like the, the switchable defense out of it that hurts them a little too. So you know I think that's almost to bring it full circle. Are the Bucks, you know, going to be the beneficiaries of the good fortune that they didn't have last year when Middleton got hurt with the Celtics kind of front court in defensive like stalwarts being banged up in the same way? Yeah, I mean, look, I, personally, I, I think the Bucks are going to come out of the East uh, as long as they stay healthy. That that team, they they look like a title team. Bucks Peak. Nuggets, set it Peak. start of the year. Yeah, still don't think it's going to be the Nuggets. <laughs> yeah, I, I look Bucks Warriors. That's what we're all we. This is what we've been waiting for. Steph versus Giannis. This is the season. It just feels like that's what where we're working toward. That's gonna do it for today's show, folks. Thank you guys for listening. For Seth Part now and Moda Keel, I'm Dave DeFore, and this has been Nerder. She wrote on the Athletic NBA Show. <laughs>